So let's open our Bibles, John chapter 17 first. We're going we're gonna to start there before we get to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So let's go to John 17. <clears throat> and uh, stop there for a second. We talked last time about living to please God and, and really this attitude of heart that to, uh, the Bible teaches us to have an attitude that we just want to please Him. I want to live to please God. I want to do what He wants. I want to please His heart. I want a, a smile on His face. I want Him to be glad. And, uh, you know, he, Paul says, you know, he, he said to the Thessalonians, I want to help you along that path and to grow in that and, and do it more and more. And we, we always have room to grow. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about some of the things that please him. Faith pleases him or just trusting in, in him, pleasing him. Walking with him like Enoch did uh, pleases him. Worship pleases him. Serving and giving pleases him. And, and I think the most important thing that I... Uh, saw was offering ourselves completely to him that really pleases him there's nothing like it when we offer ourselves completely to him living sacrifices today i want to look at this idea of living a holy life in a in an unholy world and uh they kind of alluded alluded to it there uh on the campus kind of what's going around and that's a uh you know it's a a microcosm or a kind of a a setting where it's it's almost magnified uh, when you get these the students together from all different places. But, but really, it's just a, a reflection of what's going on in our society. And, and I think, but for us as believers, to live holy lives in an unholy world, it's a challenge. It's not easy. It's difficult. But look at Jesus' prayer there in verse 15. This is part of really what is really the Lord's Prayer, though we call the other prayer the Lord's Prayer. This is really the Lord's Prayer. Um, in this whole chapter here, but we're just going to look at a couple of verses, verses 15 through 18. Jesus said, my prayer, and he's speaking, praying for his disciples. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of, the, of, of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And as you, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So Jesus, this is where we get this uh, phrase that we're in the world, but not of the world. Jesus said, you know, I'm not going to take them out of the world. It, it would be, I think it would be great, personally, if you know, we accept Jesus Christ, we become believers, and then immediately, bam, we're gone. And we go home to be with him. Wouldn't that be just awesome? Yeah, all the heartache we would... Uh, uh, avoid and the trouble in this world and that, but but um, Jesus didn't ask me um, how he should do it, and so his plan, his purpose is that we would stay, but that we would be different. We would be in the world, but not of the world, and 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 it really kind of makes sense, you know, when you think about it. Really, to to reach more people in the world, if he just took us away, then who would tell the other people? That we're still left here. So it, for you and I to be here, it's what he said, I sent them into the world. As you sent me, I've sent them. And he sends us into the world. But I think the, the point of the passage we're going to look at today and the point of what Jesus is saying is that for us to be different than the world, or we've got no ministry, we've got no message, we've got no Plan. So let's turn now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and, and uh, kind of see this, 
the word that, that comes to mind is ethic, really the ethic uh, of the Christian, the ethic, the biblical ethic of the Christian in, in a lot of different areas and in, in some specifically here in this passage. Let's read verses 3 through 8. He says, It is God's will, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins, as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, and we do pray along with Jesus that we would be sanctified by your word, and your word is truth. We also pray for this ministry at URI, Lord. We do pray that you would uh, uh, do an amazing work there, spreading the truth of who you are and, and uh, the truth of your word, Lord, and that, that many, many would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and, and uh, be trained and, and discipled. Uh, just pray your blessing and your protection upon Matt and Alice, Lord, as they have just uh, offered up their lives to serve you in that um, sometimes hostile environment. Lord, uh, speak to our hearts today, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. He says here, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Jesus prayed, prayed it, and, and it's a pretty good indication that Jesus prays something that it is God's will, right? Because he's God the Son. But he says here, you know, it's, it's God's will that we be sanctified. And so, so many times, you know, we're wondering, well, what is God's will? What is God's will for my life? What is God's will in this situation? What is God's will in that situation? Well, sometimes you have to go with what you know, right? And go with what's clear. If you, if, and this is my philosophy. If, if something isn't clear, then don't do anything. But we can rely and fall back on the things that are clear. And it seems very clear here in this passage. And some things are very, very clear here. This one about being sanctified, being set apart. We'll talk about that in a minute. I just want to mention a few other things that, are, that uh, are speaking about this idea of the Lord's will. Ephesians, he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. John 7, Jesus said, if anyone chooses to do God's will, it's a choice we make, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Peter said, it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. And how about this? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, Peter says. As some understand slowness, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. It's not his will that anyone would perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It's God's will. He, he desires for us to come to him in repentance. We have choices to make, though, don't we? In all of these things, we have choices to make. We know what God's will is, but that doesn't necessarily mean that He's forcing us to do what His will is. We have a choice whether we want to do God's will. Here in this verse in 1 Thessalonians, you said it's God's will that we should be sanctified. And this word simply means to be set apart to God, to be set apart, to be different. To be different than the world, to be like Jesus said, in it, but not of it. 
And, and, you know, we say, well, does that mean I have to be a Jesus freak? Well, it means, to, it means to be whatever God wants us to be in this world, whether they call us Jesus freaks or whatever they call us, you know, a, a holy man or a holy woman. You know, how many of you ever said, oh, you're, you're the holy man in this place, you know, because you have some kind of outward expression of faith, you're now the holy man or the holy woman because they don't know any different. They don't know any better. And I don't know that that's such a bad thing, that, that they're seeing something coming from us that, that is different. We're not just the same as everybody else, and, and this is God's will. Holiness and purity in the lives of God's children, of believers, of His people. Notice he, he, he defines part of it, and now being sanctified isn't just this particular subject. In, in, in a lot of different ways for us to be different in the way we deal with in business matters, the way we deal with relationships, the way we deal in a lot of things. But he's talking here some, some about sexual immorality, about, uh, about this kind of relationship. And he says you should avoid sexual immorality. And, and the truth of the matter is our society is drenched in it. It's drenched in it, and it's everywhere you turn, and it's gotten worse over the 30-some-odd years that I've been a believer. It was, it was bad when I was a young person, but I think it's, it's way worse now. It's like it's everywhere, and the, and the avenues of spreading it are more open, and, and you know, it's, it's... But this idea that, that we are to be different, that we would have a different ethic, a Christian ethic in this realm, in this area of... Of, of relationships and, the, and sexual. The, the, the whole idea of immorality means that there is a moral. In immorality means that we are going outside of the moral. The moral is what God's plan and purpose for sexual relations are. And, and basically, let me define it for you in simple. You know, I'm not going to get real explicit about a lot of things here, but, but basically it's... it's it's sex, sexual relations within a marriage, which is defined as between one man and one woman. That's pretty much it. Sexual relations within marriage only defined as between one man and one woman. You say, well, how can you say all that? That's, you know, that's what the Bible declares, okay? I, I, I can only repeat what the Bible declares. In, in some places, in, 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 if you... If you would say this, you're going to be accused of hate speech or whatever. Listen, I didn't make it up. I'm only quoting, you know, what the Bible teaches. This word avoid is really stronger than avoid. It really means to abstain, to refrain, to keep oneself entirely away from. Say, whoa, how can we do that? One, one person said this, in the first century, moral standards were generally very low. Chastity was regarded as an unreasonable restriction. Does that sound like today? Paul, however, would not compromise God's clear and demanding standards. And the warning was needed for Christians were not immune to the temptation. We are not immune to the society around us in this whole realm. But Paul is saying, listen, this is, what, this is what the Christian ethic is. This is what the Christian position is. The Thessalonians, as we, as we found in the beginning of this book, they were new believers, and they needed guidance and direction. You don't just know things by osmosis. They were taught, and, and we, we, we heard about discipling new believers, discipling people to know what the Bible 
has to say, and this is what Paul is saying. He starts in verse 1. He says, we instructed you, we taught you how to live in order to please God. And he's continuing now to teach. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, back a few books, uh, to see what Paul has to say in that place with that uh, city. And that city was actually probably worse in, in this whole arena, in this whole um, problem here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Again, uh, building a, a, a biblical basis for what we believe. He says in verse 18, flee from sexual immorality, from anything that is outside of what God's plan and purpose is. He said, all other sins a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That's pretty, pretty open. He says here there's something, there's something about this whole arena, this whole area that, is, that actually causes worse trouble. We actually sin against our own bodies. But not only that, I think what's even stronger than that is the fact that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in us, that God's Spirit is living within us. And when we are involved in things that we should not be involved in according to God's Word, we're not honoring Him. You say, well, this is not a very popular message today. I know it's not a very popular message today, but, but what is the first word he says there in verse 18? What does it say there? I can't hear you. Flee. flee, yeah. I mean, you know, flee. It's something that he's saying we need to do. We'll get back to that. But this idea that flee means to run away, to escape, to do something. Not just to be, you know, swallowed up in kind of the, you know, everything that is around us. Everything that is pulling us in from all the media around us to the, you know, to the internet. Pretty much everywhere you go, billboards, everywhere you go is telling you that this is, this is, this is the new freedom that we have. Kind of began back in the 60s, but it's, it's you know, way more than that now. Living a holy life in an unholy world, how do we do that? Well, one of the things that we need to do, and, and I, I want you to, to, to plant this idea in your mind, is, is it's very biblical. He says, flee, run. There are times when you need, that's the only thing you can do, you need to run. You need to turn it off. You need to get up and go somewhere else. You need to do something different. And I face these issues as well. It's all around me too. And I have to, I have to make a decision. Am I going to live God's way or am I going to just kind of follow along in it and just get sucked up and get all, you know, polluted by it? Flee. He says, back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4, he says that we need to learn. He said, each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. That applies to each one of us. He said, each one of you, each of us need to. And, and we're all different. We all have different, you know, uh, 
backgrounds, we've grown up differently, we have different you know, ways of thinking, and so each of us needs to learn how to deal specifically with how we face the temptations of this world, with how we face the onslaught of this world. But he says we need to learn self-control here. We need to learn how to control. Someone said this self-control could and must be learned, but through God's power. And we, we're not just doing this on our own. If, if, if God asks us to do something, You'll find it over and over in the Bible. If he asks us to do something, he will give us the power and the strength to do what he asks us to do. He doesn't just say, just do it, and then see how you do, and I'll, you know, I'll check back with you in a week or two. He says, this is what the will is. This is what my will is, and I will help you. I will be with you to do what I've called you to do. Throughout our lives, He says, in a way that's holy and and honorable. That's pretty clear language, isn't it? You're so quiet today. What's up with that? Oh, I don't want to talk about this. Don't don't use the S word. Listen, I'm as uncomfortable about it as you are, okay? Let's just get that clear. You know, I don't like talking about this subject. That reminds me of a story. I'm just kidding. But look what he says there in verse 5. He says, not in passionate lust, not in un, you know, unbridled lust like the heathen who do not know God. There's got to be something different from us who do know God and those who do not know God. And, and this is an area that we have to say we have standards. The world basically said there is no standard. I, I saw in the, uh, the, uh, the news you know, about some guy in, in uh, Utah you know, he went to the higher court and, and it was really about so he could have his four wives and, and that it would be okay that he wouldn't get in trouble for having the... And he didn't, it wasn't about breaking the law of only having one wife because they still could only have one marriage license, but it's that the law in that state said that, that, that you, if you're married to one, you can't live with another one as if she were your wife. That puts you you know, breaking the law. And so he had three other wives, and so he's in big trouble. And so he went and, you know, sued about this, and they had to say, listen, of course, we can't, we can't uh, legislate what you do in your own house with your own... So they, they struck that law down. Well, how soon is it going to, you know, is it going to go further beyond that? Well, you can't tell me I can't have only one wife. Why you would want to have more than one wife, I don't know. But I think one is good. What? Where's my wife? Save me. You know, it's getting worse and worse and worse, you know. It, it, and, and, you know, those who, those who study these things and, and the, the ramifications of, of the, the, the direction, it, 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 it's scary to think of the direction these things are log- logically leading to. And, you know what, it um, doesn't matter what the world says, doesn't matter how the world votes. We need to say this is what God's Word says. In the beginning, it was this way. It's all, way, all the way back in Genesis. God created a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, to be together and, and that they would uh, fulfill his will and his purposes. In Romans chapter 1, you don't need to turn there, but, but you know, he's speaking about those who reject God. And, and uh, you know, it, it says there in that passage that, that 
And this is kind of a sign of, of the times in a, in a way. He says that, that, he, that because of their rejection of God, he says he gave them over. He gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. He, he, you know, it's kind of a sign of this rejection of God, but, you know, he just gave them over. This is what you want. You want to reject me? Well, this is what you want, then take it. But the, the sad thing is what goes along with it, what comes from it, as we see in this passage here as well. God didn't call us to live like that as believers. We need to be set apart, different. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter uh, 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 and <clears throat> verse 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. First Peter chapter 4 verse 1. He says, Therefore... Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. It might cost you a little something, he said. Jesus, it cost him everything. Verse 2, as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God, which we are seeing here in 1 Thessalonians. But notice this, what Peter said. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans or unbelievers choose to do, living in debauchery and lust and drunkenness and orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. We spent enough time before being believers doing that kind of stuff. He says they think it's strange. They, the unbelievers around you, think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. Wow. They think it's strange. But that begs the question, do they think it's strange for you and me? Or, or we're just right in the same flood. Right in the same you know, flood of dissipation. And there's no reason for them to think it's strange because we're identical to them. See what I'm saying? I remember you know, these guys, I worked in a factory, and you know, the guys in the factory pretty much... You know, we'd eat lunch together and we'd be sitting there around this table eating lunch. And, and you know, uh, it wasn't, you know, more than about five or ten minutes where it started degenerating until, you know, this discussion. And, and, and they knew. They knew because I would just get up and leave. Say, okay, I'm all done. Sorry, guys. See you guys. And they knew. And they knew that, okay, once we had there, he's going to get up and go. And I'm sure they, they had a good laugh about it. But, you know, what? I didn't need to subject myself. Over and over every day, because it was the same every single day. Sometimes you need to just get up and walk away. Get up and move. Decide not to go to a certain place. He says, we spent enough time in the past. We don't need to waste any more time doing that. Who cares if they think it, that you're strange, that you're not, you know, liberated? I don't want to be liberated. I want to I follow Jesus Christ. I want to, you know, stick to him. But notice what it says there in verse 5. He says, they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. 
We're going we're gonna to have to account before our God. Stand before him one day. Don't feel bad if they think it's strange. Don't feel bad if they think you're strange. As long as, as you're following what Jesus' Jesus's plan and purpose is for your life. And, 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 you know, they make fun of people. You hear it about, you know, certain, you know, uh, sports guys who, you know, who have, who have dedicated their lives to Jesus. And they said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to remain pure. I'm, I'm not going to do it. And, 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 and they, you know, they make fun of them. You've heard about it on the news, I'm sure. Let's turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says in verse 6 this, And that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of them. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. He talks here about not taking advantage, not robbing, not cheating. And, and, and sexual sin has disastrous effects, one person wrote. And, and these kinds of things, they, they, just, they do take advantage of people. They do rob and cheat and steal. The NIV study Bible says sexual sin harms others besides those who engage in it. For example, in adultery, the spouse is always wronged. And premarital sex wrongs the future partner by robbing him or her of the virginity that ought to be brought to marriage. Robbing and cheating, taking advantage of. And those are just a few of the effects of this liberated ethic of the world, which in my mind is no ethic at all. Basically, they've thrown out any ethic. There is no moral. Pretty much whatever is good is good. Whatever feels good, do it. Have you heard that before? No, I just made that up. But we're going to stand before God. He says, the Lord will punish men for all such sins. Oh, don't talk about judgment. Don't talk about punishment. Don't talk about that. This is what it says here. This is what Paul is teaching us. That we will reap what we sow. We can't get away from it. We will reap what we sow. Sexually transmitted diseases are... are I mean, you, you just have to look into that, do a search on that, and it just will blow your mind, the, the kinds of things that are caused through this attitude. Verse 7, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Living a holy life in an unholy world is not an easier thing. Now that, it's not an easy thing, but that, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean, that doesn't give us permission to be like holier than thou. I'm so holy because, you know, I have a different way of life. That's, that's not an attitude of a servant. But that, you see, the problem is, is that we are, we are so afraid to come across that way that we don't even try to do what's right. We're afraid to, you know, maybe offend somebody because of our stand. And so we don't say anything and we don't do anything and we don't take any steps. And, and we actually are giving the opposite, the opposite um, impression that we, you know, we're okay with it. Every, that's all okay. That's all, that's all good. Well, maybe in some churches that you would go to, it might be Okay. Because they've kind of taken the Bible and kind of put it on the back shelf and we've got, we've got a whole new thing. Now, we, we just mix a lot of stuff together and it's all, you know, it, it all just turns out this way and it's okay. Everything is good, but, but it's not okay. It's not good. And I think, 
I think there's something about being set apart, not holier than thou, but being set apart that we're different. That people could come and say, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. Peter said it, didn't he? He said this, he said, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. He said, since you, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. First of all, God is holy and we're supposed to be like him. Be holy because I am holy. Be set apart, be different because I am set apart. I'm different, I'm holy. We sing it in all of our songs. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But notice Peter says, live your lives as strangers here. We might be strange. We might seem different. But who are we trying to please anyway? Are we trying to please the world around us or are we trying to please the one true God, the Father? Finally, verse 8, he says, Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. This is not man's idea. This is God's clear direction. And, and if we have a problem with it, we need to take it up with him. And, and people who, again, as I quoted from Romans chapter 1, the, the big problem in this area is that people have already rejected God. They've already said no to him. And so, you know, for you and I, we need to say, well, what is your plan? What is your purpose? But notice again, as I mentioned earlier, he doesn't leave us on our own. It says he gives us his Holy Spirit. I don't think I need to point out to you that it says it's his Holy Spirit. He gives it to us. He doesn't leave us on our own to be, to be who he's called us to be. 1 John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. 1 John 4, 4. The one who's in you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to close with 2 Peter because Peter seemed to talk so much about this idea. But let's, uh, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we'll close with that passage. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Excuse me. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires or by lust. See what Peter's saying there? God will give us His power. How do we live holy lives in an unholy world? We do it with God's power. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Through His promises through His divine nature in us. And, and, and first of all, though, we have to see what God's will is and we have to choose. I want to do what your will is. I want to follow your will. I want to do the right thing. I want to be who you've called me to be. And He'll give us His power. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us His promises, His Word. 
As Jesus said in John 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Psalm 119 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word, verse 9. Verse 11, he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There is something so powerful about having God's word in us. Memorizing it, as they mentioned earlier. Having it hidden in our hearts. Knowing what God's purposes and will is. And then seeking to accomplish it with his power and with his strength. A couple of practical things I just mentioned is in review is, is that we need to flee. There are times we need, we need to just flee. This is not right. I need to get out of here as soon as I can. Look for the way out. The Lord said he'll, He will be faithful. He'll, he'll not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear, but He will provide a way out, a way of escape. But we need to look for it. Maybe we need to have some kind of uh, protection in the things around us. And, and computers are, are like the worst, I think. We need to have some kind of protection on our computers. We need to have some accountability with brothers and sisters. If you have to hide it, that's a good indication that it's leading you in not a good direction. Maybe you've fallen in this area or whatever, but you know the truth is we're all sinners and what do we do then? We, need, we confess it to God and we, and we repent and we turn away from it and then we follow Him. And we, we ask Him to, to take us in the right direction. My prayer is this, that God would change us, that He would empower us to walk in His ways so that we could be witnesses for Him in this world. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word, though it's a, a difficult passage. But Lord, it is the truth, and, and we pray that you would embed it into our hearts and minds. That your way is the, the only way, that your way is the right way, and that, that you're not trying to keep us from something, but rather to protect us from things that would not be good for us. Father, I pray for each one of us that you would teach us that self-control. Help us to make wise decisions and, and help us to lean on your word and on the power of your spirit to, to uh, be strangers here in this world. To be in the world, but not of the world. That people could see there's something different from us. Lord, forgive us when we have let you down, when we have made bad choices. Forgive us, Lord. And I believe your your word says you will cleanse us. You will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But from, from, from that point, from this point, Lord, that we may walk after you and follow after you. Father, I pray for a, a harvest of souls in this, in this state, Lord, that you would uh, bring before our paths those that need to know you, those that need to find the, the love and the, and the truth of, of our Savior Jesus. Give us boldness, not only to live for you, but also to speak for you, to speak about who you are to those around us, Lord. I pray for any here this morning as well, Lord, to have an opportunity to, to surrender and to believe and trust in you as Lord and Savior. And perhaps that's you here today as we're praying and you, you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You, it's very simple. You simply, simply trust in Him and as the one who died for your sins on that cross, who was buried and rose from the dead, defeating death. 
He paid for sin and he defeated death. And all that you and I need to do is simply receive that free gift of eternal life. So you can pray right now, right here with us, and simply say, Lord, I, I come. I, I'm a sinner. I believe in you, and I receive what you have to offer today. Help me. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray.